We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 2, 3. It says, Now I rejoice in when I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Man, there's so much good there. There is so much good there. This morning, we're going to continue our series by design by looking at the fourth of our five purposes, right? We have worship, connect, grow, serve, and reach. Okay, so we're going to be talking about serving this morning. When I was in uh, university at Nyack in New York, I had a doctor, I had a, a professor, and his name was Mr. Brewer, Dr. Brewer. Um, Mr. B, we used to call him. And in Mr. Brewer's class, for some reason, you know, in, in, when you're in college, you have a lot of professors, but there are certain professors you actually look for, you want to take their classes. Well, I loved Mr. B, and I took as many classes as I possibly could with him. And he loved the church. This guy, it's probably why I feel the way I feel about the church being the, 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 the foundation of how we should really live out our faith. You know what I mean? And so Mr. B would say, uh, one person, one job when it came to the church. One person, one job. That's what he would talk about all the time. And so during this sermon, I haven't done this in a while, but what I want you to do is I'm going to say, get it. And you're going to say, now, see, that's like lame. I'm going to say, get it. And you're going to say, and I'm going to say good. All right. So it kind of, so I know when I'm talking that you're getting this. So Mr. B, what Mr. B was saying is that, that, that everyone, every member, every member, every person in the church is a minister and that every job is important. And that one person should do one job. Now, it's not to say that one person can't do a couple of things, all right? Maybe they are gifted in a few areas, and so they overlap. But he was always talking about everyone in the body of Christ should be engaged in the ministry. One person, one job. Now, the word, when we use the word minister, it means a servant of God, all right? That's what he's talking about. A minister is a servant of God. The Bible tells us that God gave Paul his position to serve in the church, to serve the body of Christ. And it was Paul's greatest joy. And I'll tell you the truth, it was, his, it was probably his greatest pain as well to serve. I mean, the letters, you read your Bible, these are letters written to the churches. And you can see all the struggle that he was facing. But Paul absolutely loved the church. He lived for the church. He died for the church, if you will. That was God's giving him that position, that responsibility to serve within the church. 
Paul said in, in, in verse 25, he said, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. I've been commissioned by God to serve in the church. In Romans chapter 12 and verses 3 through 5, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We are the body of Christ. I think people, this is getting watered down in our culture, okay, in a, in a lot of different ways. Whether it's because churches have gotten, some of them getting, have gotten so massive, and it's like, okay, the staff, you all give money, that's your job. Give money, and then the church hires people to do the work, all right? And you become, you just become people who are entertained by what's happening up front. Now, I want this to be, I hope that the music, and I don't use whether entertained, but you're drawn in. And it's encouraging and uplifting to you. That's important, but not not at the not at the cost of us here, the staff doing all the work in the church, where the congregation becomes just participants, if you will, by sitting here and watching things happen. That's not the model of the church. So things sometimes get watered down in our culture, though the local church becomes secondary and everything else takes prominence. And in the word of God, the local church is primary, okay, the body of Christ. It is God who calls each of us to serve. That means, when I say that, that means, every, that means everyone. It means every single person. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, then you are called to serve. I remember I got saved when I was 17 years old. Within six months of being saved, the youth pastor of the church asked me if I would teach the fifth grade. Now, maybe I was a little too young, but honestly, I was mature enough as a person. I studied. As soon as I got saved, this was my life. And I studied and studied and studied. I knew more than the fifth grader. Are you smarter than a fifth grader when it comes to the Bible? I was. So I taught the fifth grade because he said, okay, now it's time. I've invested in you. Now it's time for you to serve. So six months into it, even before that, when my youth pastor, my youth pastor said jump, I said how high. So even before I had any knowledge, I was serving within the body of Christ and whatever he was asking me to do. So if you're a Christian, you're called to serve. To serve. Our gifts may not on it they're not our gifts may not all be the same we know that just look around the room you see different people with different gifts they may not all be the same but we are all called to invest in some area of the church every single person here is called to some area of the church to to serve in some specific place within the body of christ one person one job get it Get it? Good. Okay, so one person, one job. And it doesn't matter what that job is. It's okay. If you're a behind-the-scenes person, stay behind the scenes. If you want to come in between services and make sure the bathroom is up to par so there's enough toilet paper in there, clean out the toilets, behind the scenes, that is wonderful. That's a phenomenal job. That's a servant of God. That's a good job within the church. One person, one job. Um, I said the first time I ever got up in 2000, in January of 2000, 
I got up and I said, we, Grace Chapel will not be a church where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's not going to happen. If you're a member, we said, if you're a member of Grace Chapel, you must serve. If you choose to be a member of the church and go through membership, then you are choosing to serve in some area of the church. Can you take a break sometimes if something's going on in your life? Absolutely. But 20% of the people in this church are not going to do 80% of the work. And that's actually 20% of the people in this church do not do 80% of the work, which is really encouraging. It is unhealthy for one person to do too much. It is unhealthy for one person to have more than two or three jobs within the body of Christ. It's just, it's just not, it's just not healthy. So the question I have for us this morning is how can we all become servants of God? How do we all, why is it important? How can every single one of us become a servant of God within the church? In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, okay, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer up your bodies. Listen to these words. We talked about it last week, too. To offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Do you want to know what God's will and purpose is for your life? People ask it all the time. You must worship him. You must serve him. It is in worshiping and serving God that we begin to understand what our purpose is in this world. We are called to give everything we are. We are called to give everything we have to Christ. I hope I'm I'm making that very clear. Okay, We are called by God to give everything we are, everything we have to Christ. Christians do not just exist and think about God on Sunday morning. This is where you get fed and you get charged so that you can leave here and bring Christ with you wherever you go. Offering up your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It means if I'm here, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If I leave here and go to the gas station, if I'm in the restaurant, if when I go to work, when I go to school, when I'm on the field, whatever. You know, it, it is not this secular sacred divide. OK, the biblical worldview is either things are sinful or they're sacred. All right. God created everything. Satan created nothing. And then we give God a couple hours on Sunday and we turn over all the rest of our lives to Satan, basically, because it's all secular. That's not true. You leave here, you go to work unless you're doing something wrong or sinful or selfish or greedy in some way. When you go to work tomorrow, you are a servant of God. You're doing something sacred. If you're not doing something sinful, then you're doing something sacred. So when you go to work in the morning, when you go to school in the morning, understand that you, you are offering up your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And that is your spiritual act of worship. That's your spiritual act of worship. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is one long sentence. 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blowing here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. In other words, we will mature and we will be able to discern what is right and what is wrong, who is lying and who's telling the truth, and then how we can use that to serve God. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, the mature body of him who is is the head that is Christ from him the whole body the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work as each part does its work mr b again right one person one job as each part does its work the purpose in god calling the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers is to perfect and mature his people. He calls some people to be in maybe my position. Why? So that I can help perfect and mature his people, which is you, all of us. Okay? To perfect and mature his people, that is all of you. God wants to prepare his body, and we talked about this last week. God wants to prepare his body for the battles to come. There are going to be battles to fight. We're going we're gonna, to, in the next few months, we're going to basically unleash some of, the, some of the next steps in the church's history. Some of the things that we're going to do. Hire some new folks. We're going to be doing all of these things. And God is preparing every single one of us within the body of Christ. He's preparing us for the future battles. When you go and take new territory, the enemy, where do you, where, in, where in history has someone gone to take new territory and the enemy has not tried to stop? Stop them. It's a spirit. We live in a spiritual world. We're, we're in a spiritual war. If we're going to take new ground, if we're going to take new territory, if we're going to set up new beachheads, if you will, in military terms, the enemy is not going to just open the gates and just let us walk through. When you're impacting people's lives, when you're trying to restore and save people from the lives they're living now and the horrors that they're facing now, the enemy is not going to want to give those people up. So God is preparing every single one of us, every single one of us in this room or who's hearing my voice online or whatever, he's preparing every single one of us for the battles ahead. I'm not sure what those battles would look like for you personally, but he's preparing you. The Bible is telling us when a believer begins to grow, to mature, they will do the work of ministry. They will do the work of serving God, investing their lives in God. And and you won't mature. I want you to think about this. You won't mature if you don't serve. There's certain just there's certain just realities from a spiritual reality that are that you can't change. Okay, one is if you if you if you don't learn, if you don't read the word and learn, you won't mature. The other one is if you don't serve and use what you've learned, you won't mature. Teaching or learning plus plus application equals growth. Okay. Teach and apply. Learn and apply equals growth. 
you are not going to mature in your faith and you'll always be standing around asking the same questions. Why is God doing this? And why doesn't God? And why? what's my purpose? And I don't understand why God does it. You'll ask those same questions until you're 90 years old if you don't understand that God is preparing you and that God is teaching you. And when He teaches you something, you need to then apply what He's teaching you so that you will grow. If you, I've said this so many times, but if you don't apply it, you don't own it. I don't care how smart you are. You could quote the Bible ten times better than me, all right? You could sit here and you have, you have photographic memory. You read the Bible, you can quote scripture. I don't care. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. What that means, it means if it go, doesn't go from here to here, to head to the heart, it's meaningless. It's knowledge plus obedience. That's what leads to growth. Our goal is to, ser- is to serve the body of Christ. Why do we serve the body? Because it edifies the body. Because it builds up the body of Christ. We use our gifts, not just people say, well, you know, I'm not interested in helping out with that. It's not just about what you want, what's good for you. You use the gifts that God has given you to build up the body, to edify the body. Read Paul. Go back and read anywhere in New Testament when Paul talks about the body. Why do we, are we given gifts? We're given gifts to edify the body, to build up the church. Every part of the body is necessary to the whole. I said it last week, right? If, if you take the, the kidney decides or the lungs decide, ah, I don't want to be a part of the body anymore. What happens to the body? Right. It, it, you can't, the body can't function without those parts. And there are certain things in your body you think, oh, that's not very important. You know, in, in, uh, in, in, in biblical times, uh, what they would do is in order to humiliate or make someone ineffective, they just cut their thumbs and their big toes off. And they were no longer prepared for battle. When you conquered someone and you, you no longer want that person, you didn't want to kill them, but you no longer wanted them to be, they, they were no longer capable of, of serving in the army, okay, of defending, of being ready for battle, of standing up against the enemy. What they did, they cut their thumbs and their big toes off. I can still breathe, right? I can still, I can get around without my big toes and my thumbs, but try to get yourself dressed in the morning without your thumbs. Try to pick up a sword. Try to pick up something. Try to, try to, try to get engaged in the battle. We all together, we make up the body of Christ. We all need to work together in order to accomplish what God has for us. The Bible reminds us that we are to serve until God tells us to stop. And that is when you're dead. From the oldest to the youngest, one person, one job. From the oldest in this room right now to the youngest, one person, one job. Get it? Good. Okay. So you stop serving. We got to get clear. You stop serving when you stop breathing. I hear people sometimes say, "Yeah, oh, I've done my part. You know, I, I, at this point, I just want someone else to pick up the slack or to carry the load. Well, if you've served in the past, then biblically you're responsible for passing on that knowledge to someone else. If you have the information, you need to teach someone else. You need to invest in someone else. 
So if you're thinking, well, I've done my part. Well, you've done your part in a sense. Maybe you've done this for a long time, but now it's important for you to invest in someone maybe a little younger who can learn what you've learned and so that you may be able to step off and do something else. Maybe that's a little strenuous. You step off and do something else less strenuous, but you've prepared the other person. So the idea that I've done my share, let someone else pick up the, car- the, the slack and carry the load, I'm going to kind of not do anything, is just, it's just not biblical. If you've served in the past, then you're responsible. See, our call to serve carries with it tremendous responsibility. I don't think we understand this. And again, I think it's the church's fault. Okay? Our 21st century church, it's, part of, it's partly our fault. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Paul warns, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. This is really, he's saying this is extremely important that you understand what your spiritual gifts are and how they're to be used in the body. Romans chapter 12 tells us that every single person in the body of Christ has been given at least one spiritual gift. Every single person. We can help you find that spiritual gift in 301, when our class 301, we start that in October. 101, 201, 301, 401, 501, 301, we can help you find out what your shape is for ministry, what your spiritual gifts are when it comes to ministry. If you, see, here's the thing. You've all been created and designed by God to use your spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities to impact the world, okay, through the church. You have all been created and designed by God to use your gifts, your talents, and abilities to impact the world around you through the body of Christ. Not everyone can teach and preach. Not everyone has um, like these maybe administrative skills, but we're all made to be servants of Christ. Okay, so we're all made differently. Some people think because I can't teach or because I can't preach or because I don't have these administrative skills to work in the office or whatever the case may be, then how can the church use me? Every single person here has gifts, talents, and abilities that God has designed you to use to build up the body of Christ. And Peter tells us that we need here. Listen to this. This is important. Peter says that we need to be good stewards. Okay? Every single person here is a steward of what God has given them. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, it says in in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. A steward is one who has been entrusted with the, listen, he has been entrusted with the possessions of another. We have all been entrusted with the possessions of another. Possessions of who? God's. Whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, whether it's your money. Get this through, uh, we all need to get this through our heads. It doesn't belong to us. All that money you've accumulated, it's not yours. You are a steward of what God has given you. And what has he given you the time, talent, and treasure to do? To serve the body of Christ. To build the kingdom of God. To further the cause of Jesus Christ. So we need to use those gifts. God entrusted each of us with spiritual gifts. And he intends for us to use those spiritual gifts, listen, to glorify him and to help others. That's why you've been entrusted with all of these gifts, talents, and abilities. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 12, it reminds us, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. 
along with responsibility, hear me, along with responsibility comes accountability. In Luke chapter 12, in verse 48, it says this, but the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with fewer blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. God doesn't expect younger believers within the church to serve in certain areas of the church. He doesn't expect that. Like like teaching or preaching. He doesn't expect a baby Christian to do that. Matter of fact, he says not to allow them to do that. But they are expected, like me at six months old, to serve in some area of the church where they can, whether, whether you just pick a spot. There's all kinds of things that you can do within the church if you're a young believer. Now, older believers, on the other hand, it's a totally different story, okay? Totally different story. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to reteach you, your, the, you, you the basic principles of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. It's God's way of saying, basically, grow up. You need to grow up. You need to study my word so that you can be investing in others. You need to study the word of God. You need to study my word. You have been, seriously, you're old enough now to stop drinking from the bottle. All right? And now it's time to grab a steak. That's what he's saying. It's time to eat solid food here. Okay? And not just, but, he, but, but basically he's saying, you know what? When you should be eating solid food, you're still drinking milk. And God's saying, enough's enough, okay? Enough's enough. Grow up and start eating solid food and investing in the lives of others. And I'm not just talking about preaching and teaching. It's not just talking about preaching and teaching here. In verse 25 it says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. People... Think of preaching and teaching. When you talk about the word of God, people, the first thing that comes to mind, oh yeah, I need to study the word of God if I was going to be a preacher or teacher. That, 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 that's not true. That, that's not true. All spiritual, all spiritual gifts draw their power from the word of God. It doesn't matter administration. It doesn't matter if it's care. It doesn't matter hospitality. It doesn't matter. All spiritual gifts draw their power from the word. Every gift, every talent, every ability is strengthened by the word of God. If you find out what your, what your spiritual gift is, if you have certain, a certain spiritual gift, the way that, that, that spiritual gift is enhanced, the way you grow, the way you can use it more effectively is by drawing from the power of the Word of God. The Word of God will teach you and train you how you can become more mature in using that spiritual gift. Verse, 20, verse 28 says this, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Again, our goal is to help. My goal, okay? Our goal as the body of those who are mature is to help all the people around us come to spiritual maturity in Christ. That's the goal. That is the goal. How do we invest? Iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. Investing in, in each other so that we can become more spiritually mature. Remember in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16, Paul speaks about everyone growing together corporately through their mutual ministry of love. And he says this, 
from him the whole body, listen to the words, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work, as each part does its work. We cannot be a healthy church. Okay, or as healthy as we could be. I think this church is extremely healthy. I've never served in a church anywhere in my entire life or been in a church that I feel is healthier than this one is right now. And that's fine and dandy. I'm happy that we're healthy, but we can become stronger. We can become healthier. And how do we do that? We do that when every single member, as each person in the body decides, you know what? It is time for me to step up and start serving in some area of the church. We get healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier. So when the enemy comes and tries to attack, you have, you have a healthy and you have a powerful body. It is really difficult to divide and conquer a very powerful body. Okay, when Christ is the head and the body's doing its job, my gosh, there's nothing in the universe that is more powerful than that. Christ as your head, living out, having his blood flow through your veins, living out the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, listening to the spirit of God as he speaks to your heart and being able to use your gifts, talents and abilities. There's nothing more dynamic and powerful than that. Paul also reminds us that serving God may not always be easy. All right. It may not always be easy, but what what worth it is. Right. Verse 24 says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I am filled up in my flesh What is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Remember what we said last week. God often tests us, right, to strengthen us, to prepare us for future use. God is nowhere. This is just this is just the beginning of our church. Right. We're still we're still young as a church. We're still young and God is preparing us. He's strengthening us to prepare us for future use, for things that he wants to do within this world. And he's looking for people who are open vessels, not only open vessels, but strong open vessels, because he may call you to do something and say, here are your marching orders. Go down that path. But there are giants down that path and there are lions down that path and there are obstacles down that path. And there are all kinds of difficulties and challenges down that path. And only the strongest will survive. And we will survive if it's not just one of us going down that path alone. If I'm going to face a lion and a giant and obstacles and whatever else, I want a whole bunch of people around me watching my back, being in front of me, being on side of me, working together. Because the body of Christ working together, nothing, hear me, nothing, nothing in the universe is capable of stopping it. Nothing. The only, the only thing capable of stopping the body of Christ when it's got its marching orders is God. And God's the one who gave you your marching orders. So at the end of the day, there's nothing in the universe that can stop the body of Christ when it's been called to something. And, it's, and, it, and it has that, that power of Christ working through it. We need to remember that Paul wrote, listen, he wrote it because this is difficult when we talk about difficulty. You know when Paul wrote this? You know, a lot of you remember. Paul wrote this when, when he was in prison. Paul wrote all this when he's in prison. He's rejoicing for his suffering for the church. He's saying it's all worth it. Okay, this is the body of Christ. Regardless of what I have to go through, it is all worth 
It is all worth it. If you think about it, there's nothing in this world that is of value that doesn't come at a price, right? That doesn't come at a cost. You want a strong body? You need to work out. You want a strong mind? You need to study. You want to do well? You want to do well in business? You need to invest your time and energy. You want to save for the future? You need to be financially responsible, financially disciplined to save for the future. Everything of value, okay, that we do in this world comes at some type of cost or price. Everything. If, 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 most of you understand this. If, if, if it doesn't really cost you anything, it's probably not worth doing. It's going to take that kind of challenge. Serving God is often a challenge. Verse 29 says, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. If we want to accomplish great things for God, it is going to take effort. It is going to take, it is going to take more giving from the people of the body of Christ here at Grace Chapel. Okay, more giving of your finances, of yourself personally, of your your mind, your body, your strength. It's going to take time, talent, treasure. You keep going. It's going to take more of those things to do the things that God is calling us to do. More effort. Paul uses the word laboring or striving in his service. He uses like laboring or striving or working or pulling. Paul uses all these words all the time. And Jesus said the same thing. Reaching others, serving God is going to take effort from all of you. Listen to what he says in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. You've read this before. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There are so, there are so many cool things out there to do. Okay, there's tons of cool, dynamic things that if you did, if you were a part of, you could die and say, I have accomplished great things for God. There's so many things out there. He said, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's so many people need to know Christ. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out a worker. No, it says out workers into his harvest field. Have you ever labored alone? And if you ever get someone giving you a shovel and said, can you go dig this ditch? alone you've all been there dad or mom or uncle or someone or you're on the job and there's this job and they you're it you're standing there they hand you and they want if you ever labored in a field or in your garden by yourself picking weeds have you ever labored at anything alone serving or working alone is not the model for success being a lone ranger Doing it all by yourself is no model for success. Try doing the th- second, the, the two and three year old class alone. <laughs> right? I mean, literally, when people don't show up and it's like one person's in there, and I don't think we have that anymore, but I remember in years past, if someone didn't show up, there's like, you got two on your hip, you know, you got one on your leg, you got a kid attached to you here, you're all on two arms, right? And two, four are crying over there. It, you can't. You can't do nursery. You can't do two and three year old class by yourself. It's just not going to work. I want to I want to give you this illustration that I absolutely love. It's my favorite illustration. It says, dear sir, I'm responding to your request for additional information regarding how my recent injuries occurred. In block number three of your accident report form, I put trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully. I trust, that the fo- I trust that the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a six-story building. 
When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note on block number two of the action report form that my weight is 135 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise of being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and didn't let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid pace up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of the pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to, to the information in block number two in my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for two, my two fractured ankles and lacerations to my leg and lower body. The encounter, I, uh, the encounter of the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks. And fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there in pain on the bricks, unable to stand up and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. <laughs> the empty barrel weighed more than the rope, so it came down upon me and broke both my legs. I, I hope I have furnished the additional information you requested as to how this accident occurred. Okay? The in the church, no one, no one should be doing the job alone. Okay? No one should be doing the job alone. That's why people get burned out within the church and they have to take a break. I've known so many people have come to Grace Chapel who've left, even left their church because they were just over, they needed to recover. And they knew if they stayed where they were, they were going to be keeping an ask and ask and ask and they were the only one, you know, 10% of the people doing 100% of the work and they were one of the 10%. They had to leave their church in order to recover. That's why we need to work together as the body of Christ. That's why we need to work together. One person, one job. One person, one job. Get it? Good. All right. One person, one job. Now, serving may be hard, but it comes with phenomenal rewards. Okay? Phenomenal rewards. It's it, no, nothing, honestly, I, and I've, I've experienced this in my life, nothing can give you greater rewards and, and more blessings than serving Christ with your whole heart. When you finally decide, I need to serve, I need to give of myself, nothing, biblically nothing comes with greater rewards or 
more blessings. Now, you may not receive all of the rewards in this lifetime. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Not only will you get blessed and rewarded in this life, but your reward, uh, actually the bigger part of the reward, will come in heaven. My youth pastor, I remember, I remember my youth pastor, he used to have, Rich, he used to have a sign on his doors, like a little poster. It said, the, this job may not pay very much, but the, but the retirement plan is out of this world. You know, and I, I read that as, a, as like a young Christian. I just loved it. You know, this job may not pay very much, but the retirement plan is out of this world. And the retirement plan, my friends, when we go before God and we hear Jesus, we look in his eyes and he has this look of just, you know, just pride and excitement on his face because here you come, right? Here you come. And he grabs you by the shoulder. He gives you a hug and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. What a great job you did. I don't know what disappointment looks like on the face of God. I don't want to see it. Come on in. Right over there. I don't know what happens. You know, I don't know how it works. But I do know those who served him with their whole heart, all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. I know that those who served him will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So the question is, as we close, where, where has God called you to serve? You know, it may be you step out and you start serving in the children's ministry or in the youth ministry. You know, just because you never served in these areas doesn't mean that God may not have gifted you to serve in those areas. Maybe you're a little nervous and you don't know what to expect. Go talk to, to Beth Manning. Uh, go talk to Pastor Andy. He'll explain all the different things and you'll get trained before you just get thrown in there. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe it's marketplace ministry. We have in this church, okay, the one of the most dynamic marketplace ministries in the world. All right. We are training and teaching others here in Cincinnati and around the country and around the world. We are, they are using this church as their model and saying mega churches and saying, can you mentor us through the process? We need more people to step out. If you're retired and you're kind of like, you know, I don't want to work full time, but I would like to get back. You need to talk to us. All right. We need mentors. We need business mentors. We are we are in the process now of actually helping some smaller business, smaller businesses do turnarounds. We've had businesses that were failing. Now we've got them on solid ground and they're moving toward profitability. That takes that takes your so many of you working in the business world, your gifts, your talents, your abilities. That takes those kinds of things to turn those ministry or turn those businesses around so they can invest that those money, that money in the kingdom of God. So it may be a marketplace ministry. You know, it may be that you're you want to go on a mission trip for the very first time to Alaska this coming June. We're going to be going to Alaska. You need to get your name down. We're only taking 70 people. So if you want to go to Alaska in June, you need to make sure you start signing up now. Right. The high scores have a certain amount of spaces. So if you're interested, but that may be stepping out of your comfort zone. But listen, you're still in the United States, even though you're flying way far away. You're still within the United States. So that may be a great step for you. Maybe it's that you have administrative skills and you need to come over and serve in the office and help out in the office a couple days a week. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is. Listen, whatever it is, just invest. Invest your life into the body of Christ and watch God bless you in so many unique and powerful ways. We need to live our lives in every area for Jesus Christ. And in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it tells us this. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. 
is the Lord Christ you are serving. You can serve him within the church. And when you leave here, you take what you've learned and you serve him outside of the church. But this morning, I really wanted to focus on your gifts within the body of Christ. Be thinking about it. Be praying about it. And if it's something that you feel led of God to do, but you're not really sure where, make sure you talk to us about it. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you for this great time that we can spend together. God, thank you for the opportunity you give us just to be here together to worship you. We praise you, dear God, and we pray that we would spend time over the next few days thinking about where we can serve within the body of Christ, where you can use us. And God, we pray that it would be, this would be our prayer, that we would offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. May this be our spiritual act of worship. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time that we can spend together. Keep challenging us, dear God. Keep driving us. Make us uncomfortable so that we will, we will not feel that comfort until we're resting in your arms, doing what you called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.